0: Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studios in Atlanta, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank. Now, here's your host, Joe Moss. Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome today to this segment of On the Money. It's brought to you by Embassy National Bank embassy is a great sponsor of ours and uh they want to help small business this is your moderator joe moss and as you know i'm president at, at embassy national bank and uh we are all about small business the show is dedicated to trying to put subjects in front of you that'll help you become a better small business person and today um we have another Uh, small business owner on. A little bit different scope today, but I think you'll find it uh, very, very interesting. Uh, Chris Marinak, who is one of the uh, owners and founders, I believe, of um, uh, Fig Partners. And uh, Fig Partners is a local uh, investment banking broker-dealer group that deals a lot with bank stocks. And um, Chris, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Joe. Appreciate the opportunity.
0: And uh, Chris and I have known each other for a while, Uh, got involved in some previous employment, and I've always enjoyed um, Chris. I think he's got a really wonderful insight um, within the banking industry, but specifically within community banking. And uh, so I'm real happy. Chris, that you're on the show. Tell us a little bit more about FIG. How'd you get started? Where are
1: you today? What's going on? Sure. So FIG is a broker-dealer that specializes in bank stocks, and we particularly are fond of community banks. So we are a market maker on the NASDAQ of over 850, almost 900 bank stocks. We're one of the largest broker-dealers in terms of the markets we make on the equity side. We're also active in the fixed-income side, and I run our research department. We uh, publish research on 115 community banks and other regional and national banks around the country. We track another 100-plus. Uh, we do a fair amount of industry research, uh, both on public and private banks. And uh, we really serve two masters, which are to work with bank investors and the banks themselves. Uh, so, we're very fond of the business and very much see ourselves as a champion of banking and have a, a fair amount of information in different contexts and different angles to look at the industry to sort of uh, give a, both positive and negative, as well as, I think, a balanced view on the uh, industry at large. And uh, you're a small business yourselves. That is correct. We are owner-operators. We've been in business as FIG for 12 years. Uh, I I enjoyed uh, previous careers at two regional brokerage firms here in the southeast, and then we started FIG in the summer of uh, 2003. and three. And. Have not looked back. Uh, it's a uh, very, uh, very fun to be a business owner. It has its challenges, but it also has its, uh, its has its great moments. And it's been great to develop a uh, uh, team that started out with eight or nine people, and we now have fifty-eight today at our office in Atlanta. And in how many offices cities. do you have? Uh, we have about four on the country. Yeah, uh, we have Chicago, uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and a few folks in New Jersey slash New York. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit more at the end of the show about uh,
0: issues you have as a small business. But I need, I forgot something, and we need to back up. I need to, to thank Trey Odom and De'Ara Lamar. Uh, they're producing the show today, and uh, thanks so much for their help. also want to make a shout-out to uh, Mike Salmon, uh, who is our, uh, our, our producer, um, and he is calling uh, the European Games over in Azure – bajan which is apparently just north of iran so uh in the middle east so we hope you stay safe over there mike and uh uh just want to let you know these two fine people are um um really taking good care of you also a shout out to uh, subaru of gwinnett for these this great studio that we're in and we appreciate them so um and i apologize for not bringing up that at the top of the show but uh chris let's get back to you um Community banks, especially here in Georgia, um, is it? Are,
1: how are we doing? Well, we're doing much better, Joe. You know the profitability of these companies has come way back. Uh, today, we're roughly 80, 85 percent of the banks are making money. It actually, I think, it's 85 or 86 percent. So, a very nice majority are making money as of the first quarter of 2015, and I think that will only get better in the second quarter and the second half of this year. Um, we've come a long way from uh, the 19 or 2008-9 recession and the very slow times of uh, 2010, 11, and 12. We have seen banks uh, improve uh, both profitability but really their asset quality. And also we've seen liquidity, uh, while it's very high at these companies, it has begun to come down and be put to work. And in the banking world, um, it is possible to have too much liquidity. And I think we've seen a lot of companies putting uh, more money to work via the loan portfolio. And we think that's the early stage trend in the Southeast and specifically in Georgia, and that we'll see a lot more of new loans coming on the books and banks expanding here the next uh, several quarters.
0: So if I'm a small business owner, um, what should I, I, and I'm looking to either refinance Answer or new debt. What should I be looking for in a bank? Um, what kind of, from your perspective, what kind of questions should I be asking to make
1: sure I'm in the right spot? Well, I would, uh, I would say that a community banker on a commercial. Uh, lending side has to be an advisor as well as a provider of credit. And I think most small businesses have a lot of advisory from both their attorneys as well as their accounting uh, firms. And I think that's always been true. And I think that tends to be the sort of lead intelligence that a small business owner gets uh, from their auditor and their attorneys. But I also think that the uh, banker should be right, right there in the same mix and that they should count on their community banker as a source of reason, as a source of knowledge, uh, someone who can vet their ideas, sometimes point out when they have deficiency and sometimes champion uh, the ideas they have and help them uh, achieve their dreams. Uh, Things have to be done conservatively. You have to be able to borrow money with the idea of paying it back. Uh, But I think as an advisor goes, I think the bank should be in there uh, right with them. And I think a small business uh, deserves that treatment. And I think that uh, most community banks are willing to do that. And I think the sort of special attention that a community bank can give a small business owner is really second uh, to none. And I think that while the larger banks uh, can deliver various products and offer various services, on a, on a larger scale, it's difficult to really give that personal one-on-one uh, experience that a community bank really can offer.
0: And um, and here in Georgia, we've got uh, a, a large group of um, big banks. We've got SunTrust. We've got the, um, and it's. We can go through the Atlanta banking history and talk about why there's only one Atlanta-based big bank left. But we've got BB&T, we've got Nations Bank, a B of A, we got PNC, we're at SunTrust. I mean, we're on
1: every single corner. But these community banks just keep chugging along, don't they? That is correct. And I think one of the beauties of the community bank model is the people that run them and the fact that I think there is a demand for their services. Um, Historically, community banks have always been a provider of small business credit. Um, I think that you also have a community, particularly here in Atlanta, that is growing. Uh, Atlanta's going through a very nice renaissance the past uh, year and a half, and particularly in 2015, is seeing some very strong results, uh, especially as it pertains to local construction improving. The commercial side of the business has been very strong the last two years. more importantly, we've seen new jobs created in Atlanta and, frankly, in many cities of the Southeast. And and I think if you make a broader statement around the country, job growth has improved in a lot of areas. You know, We're not necessarily back to pre-recession areas, or pre-recession levels, rather, in, in every area. But I do feel that we are seeing a lot of progress this past uh, six to 12 months. And I think that there's a catch-up going on. And we are starting to see the demographics kick in, where folks are moving to the Southeast, moving to the Southwest. Uh, folks are taking advantage of, of sort of, uh, not only the good weather, but also the attractive business dynamics that are involved in in Georgia and Tennessee and the Carolinas, Florida, Texas, etc.
0: Now, you, let's go back to the loan officer as the advisor. I think that's a very, very, very important point. And I think that's sometimes why maybe uh, uh, potential borrowers get a little frustrated with their bank, because uh, we talk within the bank of the role of the loan officer um, as being uh, someone who will try to satisfy the customer need but a lot of times our role is to try to keep the customer out of trouble keep them from hurting themselves right and that may come across as bad customer service but you know we see that as our role as an advisor um, and, and we may be the only business
1: where the customer may not always be right when we're talking about lending the money that's correct I think in a lot of cases, customers don't necessarily realize if they have done the right planning, the right anticipation. Uh, You know, there are tax changes, regulatory changes. There's a different, uh, you know, the the seas change in every business. And I think the experience of history that a good commercial banker has, he or she is able to sort of deliver that knowledge to the small business person to make sure that, that they are being conservative enough in their approach and not being overly aggressive. And of course, economic forces sometimes dictate this. We went through a period of incredibly easy money in the mid-2000s, and then it became very tight, and now we're kind of coming back to some equilibrium again. But I still think the basic function of a community bank is to provide sort of that rationale to a borrower about how they want to achieve their business, and it's not necessarily just saying no, it's trying to show them the right way of doing the transaction or the right way to plan for how they want to grow their business. Yeah, what we
0: try to do is say, okay, we won't tell you no, but we'll tell you under what conditions we will proceed. You may not like it, but we will tell you how we would would think we could proceed, and that's the way we try to deal with that. Um, Talk a little bit about um, what's going on in the banker's head relative to um, uh, the types of things that they've got to look out for when
1: dealing with a small business owner. Well, certainly, uh, there is a pressure on every bank today to offer a good response and a timely response. One of the issues that often comes up with the bigger banks is not giving a quick enough response, being able to take an application but not giving an answer uh, for three, four, sometimes six weeks. That's where a community bank, if they can make a decision in 72 hours or sometimes a few days longer, but the idea is that there is a certainty that we can give you a yes or no answer and give you an idea of how we're going to do business for you. I think that is a fair response a lot of borrowers are happy if they're turned down but turned down early they don't want to be drug out for a while
0: yeah we we try to do that but i but on the other side i I try to talk to some of our borrowers and let them know that as a bank and a lot of people just don't know this but as a bank when we make loans we have to be right 99 percent of the time correct think of that i mean that is a tough hurdle A lot of people don't understand that, and we've got a lot of people breathing on our necks relative to regulatory, and and everybody's got burdens to deal with. But, you know, we're kind of stuck right there in the middle, trying to keep shareholders happy, customers happy, having to be right 99% of the time. So a lot of times that is not known to the borrower. Um, but it is certainly very real, isn't it,
1: Chris? Absolutely. And I think that uh, from a borrower standpoint, you have to have a very good sense of your own collateral and what you're bringing to the table, whether that's a real estate, whether that's cash flow from a business. I think you have to be realistic that you're not necessarily going to be able to get 100% financing on that. I and mean, we have had periods in history where that very loose, very easy money has been available. And some would argue that it has started to become loose again. But I think we're still a far cry from where we were in 2005, and seven when it was uh, sort of a anything-goes environment. I think today the collateral is key. I think also uh, the fact is that a lot of people have to have deposits with these banks and be willing to move their money in their main operating account. Uh, that's become much more uh, popular and accepted practice. Okay. Um, this is great,
0: great discussion. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, awareness within the small business owner and their bank. Um The difference between dealing with what I would call a bank that was has received uh, assistance in order to gobble up smaller banks versus that community bank that just kind of did it on their own and were able to survive. Um, There's a lot there's a big difference between those two organizations and should that matter to the small
1: business owner. Not necessarily. I mean, there are plenty of banks who struggled during the recession, um, <clears throat> but they uh, have, have come out of it. And I think, as, as we like to say, they've crossed the river, they've wiped the uh, sweat from their brows, and they're moving on to the next task. Um, I think that there are companies out there who did struggle during the recession, but they're much more back on their feet. Some of those companies have been recapitalized. Some of those companies went through a very slow-growth stage repaired profitability, now are back making money. Um, that history is really in the rearview mirror. I think those banks' capacity to lend is better than ever today. I think the question really is, how much do certain banks want to grow? Uh, there are banks who are incredibly proactive today, who are really seeking business and are looking to grow dynamically. And I think that's where probably the best opportunities are to kind of sync up with, with businesses in a growing area. I think there are some banks who, t- are not as dynamic and are, are still trying to kind of feel their way through the, ca- the caverns to understand kind of where they fit in the, in the pecking order, um, you know, those are companies that aren't growing as fast and I think are, are less willing to take on new risk. Um, and you'll see that th- in the initial interviews, won't you? I think you will. Um, we also like to tell people to go pay attention to the bank. I mean, if you see the bank is not growing and they've been in a shrinking mode, that's something that you should ask questions about. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes there's a logical answer. Um, you know, we know banks who are doing very well today, but they were shrinking the past two or three years. But they've become much healthier in the past six to twelve months. That's a different story. But I think you can come sort of to terms with that as you sort of do a little bit of homework. I think doing homework on the bank you're doing business with does make some sense, even though you are a borrower and they're providing you a a, a credit. Um, I still think having an understanding of if your bank is growing, because I think uh, that bank who is growing is going to be investing in new technologies investing in services, certainly investing in its people, which the people really are a critical f- component of any small business as well as a bank. Um,
0: here in Georgia, is are banks making a
1: focus now
0: out of um, SBA lending, and is that uh – Uh, Is that something
1: that a small business owner should really talk to their bank about? Oh, sure. I mean, the Small Business Administration uh, lending programs are very vibrant, uh, and I think they are a very good option. Um, I think that that is a natural way for banks to get involved. Um, We see banks doing more than just SBA. I mean, you know, the active community banks are SBA is just one component of who they are. You know, there's a lot of lending being done outside of the SBA because of certain, you know, uh, regulations and restrictions. And and if if a bank likes the credit and likes the borrower, they'll be happy to make them a loan outside of the SBA and in fact in a lot of ways they almost prefer that because it's easier to collect. Yeah. Um, But having said that the SBA program is certainly an option and I think as a business owner uh, it is it is important to understand your options almost like buying a car. You know what are the various choices I have various financing tools I have and then sort of hone that into uh, your decision tree. And I guess we're being a little archaic uh, relating lending strictly to banks.
0: Um, there are a lot of different options out there now, aren't they, for uh, small business owners?
1: Absolutely. I mean, there are some online options. Uh, you know, where we live here in Atlanta, there's Cabbage uh, that has uh, done very well and has a very interesting business model that uh, seems to have a lot of growth. You've got Lending Club, you've got On Deck, you have got some other f- companies who have received uh, funding from the uh, the venture capital community. Um, it is a very interesting uh, time to to look at uh, both from a consumer standpoint as well as a small business standpoint. Um, I think the you know, proliferation of the sort of non-regulated lenders will continue. Uh, There's a fair amount of money in Wall Street and in the private equity world that want to support these companies. Uh, We do have a shadow banking system that is still chugging along, and uh, there are options out there. Mm -hmm. Um, You're
0: listening on the money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. This is Joe Moss, your moderator, talking to Chris Marinak from Fig Partners, and uh, we're talking about... uh, Community banking, the overall economy, uh, small business owners um, having a kind of a very fluid conversation. Chris, let's talk about um, uh, the, uh, the, what you would call the different kind of lenders, the online lenders, the uh, out-of-the-bank lenders. Um, are you seeing a preference among small business owners to be, have a face-to-face relationship or are
1: people getting a lot more comfortable with the online environment? I think there's a building comfort level on the online environment. I, I, I would be careful to to say that it's exclusively, because I don't think that's correct. I mean, we see banks Having a lot of success, <clears throat> opening branches, and still getting folks in the door for a credit relationship. And now, most banks today will go door to door to close a loan, and so it's not imperative to bring people into the branch. But the branch becomes a gatherer of, of ideas and mm-hmm. a gatherer of potential transactions that the bank, then therefore goes out and closes. And so, you know, a customer wants to have multiple channels to do business with their iPhone, their tablet, uh, their, their 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 laptop, in addition to an, a a a in person visit at the branch. Um, I think that the small business owner um, looks at where they can get the best deal. And one of the interesting points is that the community banks, in my opinion, tend to be cheaper. From a rate perspective, than the online options. Mm. That doesn't mean the online options are, are, are terribly expensive. It just means they're more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, the loss rates on the uh, on 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 those borrowers sometimes can be higher over a credit cycle. We haven't tested that yet, um, but we certainly uh, certainly could see that. Uh, I also think that uh, to some extent, the, uh, the the there's there's a different selection process uh, within the the companies who or the the businesses who are going online at this point.
0: And by the I'm I'm going to hold on to, I'm, I don't know if you remember the John Nesbitt book called uh, Megatrends. Sure. He had a, uh, uh, a pillar in there called High Tech, High Touch. I'm hanging, as a community banker, I'm hanging on that because I think that uh, at the end of the day, you're going to want to sit down and talk face-to-face with somebody. Uh, now, you may be a very transactional person, can think you can figure out by yourself, et cetera, fine that's online lending but i think the majority of people are going to prefer that face-to-face and frankly i um, i still do obviously i'm a lot older but uh i think the uh, younger generation coming up like uh or whatever as they kind of sprout their wings and and um uh
1: get it involved in a lot of things they're going to prefer the face-to-face as well the online is a scary environment well, I agree with you there, Joe. I also think that what we're seeing from the banks, particularly on the regional and national level, is a more of a cutback of square footage and mm-hmm. less a cutback on the number of branches. I mean, I think technically the number of branches are declining, but what's really happening as we speak is companies are deciding to cut branch sizes back from three thousand feet to two thousand feet. Or, sure. Put you know new space out that's only going to be fifteen hundred square feet and try to you know work with virtual tellers and and uh, and you know employ new technologies that still allow them to have a physical location but they're much smaller. Um, we know of banks who are testing you know taking half the bank branch and bringing in Subway or bringing in Starbucks and mm-hmm. sort of co-branding locations as a way of subleasing space. I think that creativity is going to continue to uh, to occur in the banking system and really offer banks a way of cutting costs. And technology will continue to improve. Absolutely. Yeah. Without question.
0: Let's talk about the economy for a minute. Everybody wants to know about interest rates. Um, You know, small business owner, have we been
1: uh, put to sleep by this zero rate environment? I think we have a little bit. I, I think the reality is the Federal Reserve is trying to signal an interest in raising interest rates sometime soon. Um, they're a little bit in a box because I think they'd like to create a cushion to where they can take a 25 basis point uh, a Fed funds rate, which is where the rate is today on the short term interest rate policy, and move that up to 75 or 100. But it's hard for them to do that without a, a, a strong enough economy. So there is has been strengthening in the economy. There has been a better job growth uh, around the country in general. But I think that the ability to raise interest rates significantly just is not there. Um, it does feel to me that the Fed is going to make some type of move just to say they did it. Um, and that may occur by year end or the first quarter of 2016. But that's going to mean 25 basis points goes to 50 or 25 goes to 75. It's a very modest change. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the prime rate will move either, does it? I suspect the prime rate will move. I think Citibank and J.P. Morgan and Bank of America, if they can get any any move on the prime rate, they will take, will take a shot at it. But what's going to be interesting is do we have you know, some type of incremental move mm-hmm. to where instead of moving a quarter point on the Fed funds, we move an eighth. Right. Uh, that has not been discussed too much in the broader press, but uh, you you heard it here first on the money that an eighth eighth a point increase could actually happen. Uh, that does
0: make a lot of sense to me because I think there's so many more things to worry about these days when raising interest rates than uh, that they've ever had to worry about before. And let me remind all our listeners that it wasn't – that long ago in fact mid 90s i attended a seminar and there uh um, there was suggestion that a perfect funds federal funds rate um, federal funds rate was about four percent if you add the three points on there between that and what prime typically is you're looking at a prime rate of seven and there are some people just as early as the 90s that argued that was an optimum level Um, so we have been kind of put to sleep a little bit
1: Prime rate was 8% in the summer of 2007 because I remember it vividly. Yeah. And um, so a lot could happen, but I, I,
0: gosh, it seems like just things are so slow getting going still for whatever reason and anything that the fed does in significance could jeopardize a lot
1: of things around the world these days that's right that's right well and the mortgage business uh, and the housing industry depends on having interest rates staying low so we really can't fool with that too much uh, we have seen some natural increase in the mortgage uh, interest rate the last six weeks and it, re- it remains to be seen whether that's going to uh, to stick um, with how the 10-year treasury trades but uh, we have had an increase in rates and therefore mortgage costs
0: yeah and i think as a consumer a small business owner, I would think less about short term rates and I'd watch go find and Google it the 10 year treasury index. Go watch that number because that is much more of a free market indices than prime rate and fed funds are. Uh, That's where everybody trades based on their expectation of inflation, growth, etc. And very tough to manipulate that rate through open market or through governmental uh,
1: regulation. Would you agree with that? Yes, I, I, I do agree with it. And then the Treasury uh, homepage is a great uh, link to look at every day and keep track of that. Uh, and we've certainly have seen that it, it ebb and flow. And, and I think the markets in general are volatile. So we will see it bouncing around a fair bit. Okay. Um, Greece. Do we need to worry about Greece? Is Greece
0: like a little gnat for us or what? I mean, we, we all know they've been overspending
1: forever. But uh, and it makes good headlines. But should we worry about it? I, I personally don't think so. I mean, uh, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, it becomes a distraction. Uh, it is an issue for Germany, uh, who may have to take on some more some some more uh, obligations if if Greece were to become worse. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, uh, they'll find a solution. Uh, yeah. I think that sometimes this is jockeying for position uh, from the political side, jockeying for for more assistance, probably for more money. Is what it is.
0: Um. Yeah, it's all just one big negotiation. I agree with you. Um, should All right. A lot of folks out there who are small business owners uh, late in the early 2000s decided, you know, hey, I think I want to invest in a community bank. And uh, the, the promise was, uh, you know, put your money up, give me three years, and I'll double it because uh, I'll be selling my bank in uh, <laughs> 2000s six and seven rolled along and guess what not only did they not sell but how many bank failures did we have in georgia well we had uh, 150 something like that we had several hundred in the southeast and so they all total they all fold the 150 folded up and went home but now as liquidity grows uh you've got a little jingle in your pocket uh, is it safe to
1: go back in the waters? Is a community bank a, a good place to invest money? I, I definitely feel it is. I, I think community banks are not only making money, but they're growing book value. Um, you know, we think the banking industry is is on par to do 6 to 7% growth of tangible book per share. Uh, we think the return on equity, return on assets are improving. They're still not where we'd like them to be. So we have a lot of companies making 70, 80 basis points ROA and, you know, 8 to 9% on ROE. And we'd love to see more people graduate towards 1%. On, on the return on assets and above 10, but we still have, I think, an improvement. And it's important to look at where you have um, situations where companies go from being awful to sort of mediocre, and then mediocre to good, and good to better, and better to great. Um, you know, We're a long ways away from being great as a whole industry, because we still have to have a faster economy. We probably also have to have high, higher leverage in the industry, because remember, a bank takes a dollar of equity and puts it into you know, $13 or $14 of assets. And Right now, today, we're putting that into about $10 or $11 of assets, and we're in the process of re-levering the industry. That will take several more years to happen. The uh, regulators at the FDIC, the Fed, and the OCC probably do not want to see banks getting back to the 15 or 16 times leverage in terms of total assets over total capital, mm-hmm. but I do think we're going to get back to you know uh, 12 and a half, 13 and a half over time, and I think we'll be there before people realize it. And then we've got this period right now in 15 and 2016 where there's a fair, um, fairly nice and accelerating pace of asset growth that's in the industry, which all dials back to the availability of credit. Is very solid for a small business today.
0: And by the way, just uh, as, a, as a plug for Embassy, um, we want to lend money. Um, we've cleaned up the balance sheet. Um, in fact, it's probably one of the better turnaround stories here in Georgia. Uh, I'd like to add that we did it without any, zero, nada government assistance. Um, and uh, it was just our shareholders and our customers that carried us through. And, um, and we're poised to have the kind of growth you're talking about um and we're here to lend money um if you get frustrated with a community bank just remember we've got regulators beating up on us um and we have to be right 99 percent of the time so um just a little plug for the community bankers out there um is it important to have a community banking
1: industry In America? Absolutely. I mean, you know, you have to have the ability to get credit to small businesses. Uh, Small businesses continue to be the lifeblood of the industry. Uh, I think that while a large bank can offer small business, it's hard for them to do it at the small level. Um, Small uh, businesses tend to be a little bit more expensive to bank, um, and you have to be, I think, willing to sort of put more of of a personnel uh, talent against them. Um, And I think it's hard to sort of put uh, a small business into a credit box where you're making a decision uh, simply based on a uh, on on on, a, on some online metrics. I think that there is a cer- certain art and science to it. The science part can can certainly be done through a technology vehicle, um, and so and that is acceptable. But I do think there's the opportunity to still have that kind of local flavor and feel. Um, I also think that there is a deposit taking mechanism that is also very important. That you have to be a uh, have a business that can manage your cash, that can offer a store of value. Banks offer that today, uh, and I think there's a demand for that. And you know, there are a lot of businesses who are borrowing less than two million dollars, borrowing less than a million dollars, and um, you know, going to a bank is still an option for you. Uh, certainly, you have other options in the marketplace, as we were talking about the small business or in the online channel. Uh, those are viable, but uh, you know, there's a much bigger, wider pool of credit uh, available from the community banks.
0: Yeah, so. and and don't forget that the. Community bank itself is a small business, so they're a lot more likely to understand you as a small business person than someone at one of the larger banks, because the the folks that run community banks uh, typically have their own small businesses. They understand what you're going through, and they're trying to help, so um, I guess that's another plug for for community banks and why the industry ought ought to hang around. Um, We hear a lot about uh, community banks are just going to disappear. Do they need to exist? Why not just have
1: 10 banks? Why not? Well, the challenge is that you have more than 10 cities in the country. You know, we still have, as metro areas go, 360, 370 metro areas. You have, you know, hundreds more of, of, of midsize and smaller towns that are not Considered metro areas, but uh, you know, having the ability to kind of put credit out um, is still important. I think that there is a balance between making money and having a capacity in the system. You know, we do have excess capacity in the banking system, so the argument that we have too many banks is accurate. The question is, you know, can we uh, sort of dictate forcing people out of business? And the answer is no. What we what we can do is encourage change and really encourage the strong to survive. And I think that's going to happen in community banking, no different than a in and large banking. We still have some large banks out there that are, are not well understood as being sort of mediocre businesses and mm-hmm. they too, you know, may have changed as time passes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's going to be a fair amount of change on both sides of the aisle, both on the larger banks as well as a community bank so it's not only the community banks who will go through change i think you'll see some change at the large bank level too but at the end of the day you know it's still about uh, offering a, a localized service uh and having someone who really understands uh, their borrower i mean it's no different than than the you know hundreds and thousands of, of individual cpas that are out there today offering a service for their clients same with attorneys there is a need for that skill set uh just like there's a need for a for a lending skill set and, and a
0: small business if you're in the if in the market for debt or a deposit, deposit relationship or you know there's a lot of stuff going on that's causing chairs to be shuffled in banks they're making different decisions they may not go in the favor of your type of business but if you're shuffling chairs whatever i think it's important to go in and interview the community bank find out what their strategy is can they explain what your business is because the most community banks are very niche what i call niche oriented Um, find out their appetite for loan growth Uh, credit criteria interview them um and um and just see see what your feel is um and and then uh and you know recognize um that the need that they're going to try to act as your advisor and i think the most important point chris you made is find someone that you think can advise you and help your small business grow
1: Correct. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Th- this is On the Money. It's brought to you by Joe Moss. We're sponsored by the Embassy National Bank. We're talking to Chris Maranach of Fig Partners. Uh, he's on the investment side of community banking, understands the industry extremely well, and we're having a really good discussion about com- the role of community banks as it relates to small business. Um, Chris, we don't have a lot of time. Uh, we got about another eight minutes. I just want to come back to this. Fig Partners is a small business and um so how do you handle with uh let's let's just pick um leadership planning what do you do as a small business to make sure that everybody gets on the same page well,
1: it starts with communicating what our mission is. Um, you know, we've had a lot of clarity the last two years about what we try to do as a firm—to be involved with community banks, to be a resource for them, but also to be a resource for investors as well. So, as I mentioned, you know, we look at our business having two masters: the investors who are investing in bank stocks, in addition to the banks themselves, and try to be a resource for both help banks be successful, help banks understand best practices, what's working in the marketplace, what's working in disclosure, which for the public banks is important, how they sort of market their stories and get their their own messages out. From the investor standpoint, helping them focus on companies who are growing. Uh, there's a lot of leaders in the community bank world who are not well understood by the public markets. They're just not known. And we see our job, and it's kind of a vocation for me, is to get uh, investors to understand that there really are some very smart people. And Jamie Dimon was once a community banker way back when, and as he rose up mm-hmm. the ranks and now leads J.P. Morgan and a lot of folks in his same shoes at other major companies, uh, you know, they once were a small business operator at, the, at a lower level within their company. And uh, there are some very good leaders at community banks who very much want to grow their business. We also think that the regulatory side is getting just a little bit easier and that the Fed and the FDIC are, is supportive of banks wanting to grow. Uh, there are a lot of banks banks out there with growth plans, and I think they are encouraged to do so. We have some new rules in place as of mid-May that allows banks to uh, to, to grow. So if you are a two or $300 million bank and you can grow yourselves towards a billion dollars, we're going to see some community bank mergers to get them to a billion dollars. And I think over time that billion dollar threshold is going to continue to rise. That's one way that we're going to see some change in the number of banks. But it's also going to be very healthy for those community, uh, community banks as investments. Uh, there has always been a very 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 good uh, trail. Of profits and book value growth, when you take a bank from three or four hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. turn it into an eight hundred or a billion dollar bank, uh, that tends to grow book value. It tends to grow profitability, and scale is important. Even if you're still only a billion dollars in size, there is a scale that you can get and you can extract uh, what I call operating leverage, where you have revenues growing faster than expenses. So, you know, we think there's a, a lot of opportunity out there, which ties back to your community bank stock uh, question. Whether it's a private bank or a public bank, we think there's opportunities to make money and really have consistent compound growth you know that we may not be necessarily be growing at the same speed as apple or a technology company but we think there can be some, some consistent you know yeah, you mid, don't want single you, digit growth
0: I, I get nervous when i see a bank that's growing real fast i think Correct. we all should Correct. going back to that got to be right 99 percent of the time suggestion uh, one last, a question that i think you need to interview the bank about as going back to other previous thing is that when you talk to your banker trying to select what here's from the inside ask them what their relationship is with their regulator i think is here's the and here's the reason i asked that um, if they say, oh, they, I don't like them, da 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 I think that's a bad answer. I think what you need to do is deal with a community bank who says, yeah, we deal with, we're, uh, they're a partner of ours. Uh, it's an environment we've got to deal with, and we've got a good relationship with them. If I were interviewing a bank, that's what I'd want to hear from them, because if, if you don't get that answer, then you may be dealing with a situation where uh, it may be disruptive to your relationship at some point.
1: I think it's a great point, Joe. And and we found that the better operators in banks across all kinds of sizes. Um, have grinned and bear it, as the saying goes, in terms of how regulation is. No one likes it that there's more regulation that it's tougher. But they also have grinned and bear it and said, this is the rules of the road. We're going to abide by them. We're not going to complain about it. We're just going to accept it and move on and try to grow our business and make money. And, and I've seen that countless times the last seven or eight years as we've seen these new rules and regulations come into come into play. And, and really, the banks who have not allowed themselves to be distracted by it and have complained about it, those who haven't complained, rather, uh, have been the ones that I think have been the most successful. I want to go back to when you talked about your small business, Fig Partners. A couple of
0: things that I heard, uh, actually two things that I heard, um, and then an impression I got was one: your, your, I don't know whether you did or not, but your goal, your mission is laser focused. Right. Laser focused. Right. Community banking, help community banks, help customers invest in community banks. The other thing I heard, you use the word help a lot. Um, I think that's very important, that's one of the things we do at Embassy as well, is our mission, first and foremost, is to help. It's not profit generation, it's not transaction generation, it's help, because we think everything flows from that mindset. And the last thing I heard from you that I think is very, very important is incredible knowledge about your business, but also about your marketplace. And I think if you could take, if a small business owner could take, embrace those three things, um, I, I think it goes a long way to improving your business. So, that as, a, as a business owner, laser focus. What exactly are you going after? Make sure everybody knows it. Get a, and do what it takes to build up knowledge in your industry um, more so than anybody else out there. And then the, the thought process is to use the word, is, is to help first. Help. Um, don't go after the sale, go after helping somebody. Eventually you'll get the sale. Um, and I think that's what a lot of good marketers, um, would al- would also tell you.
1: Well, it's something we try to live by every day, and as you know, you're only as good as your last day in uh, in any business. Um, you know, we really subscribe to the idea of being a servant leader and uh, and making a difference for the uh, the customers and the banks we serve, and uh, we think cumulatively over time it can have an impact.
0: Well, I can tell you uh, from this perspective that Fig Partners does what they say they're going to do, um, and it and it comes across with everybody that I've talked to there. So, um, you guys are doing a good job with that. You really are, and um. um good lesson for small business owners we get so distracted sometimes that uh we we lose the focus of uh or lose the attention of really kind of zeroing in on what is it we're trying to do and and last week we talked about uh setting aside time just to think golly we don't spend enough time just thinking um we're always on to the next task always on to the next task and i'm sure chris in your world it's the same thing you're always need to get that next transaction but i guess
1: at some point you guys just kind of sit down and uh, and think right that's the role of the research analyst. I, I try to make a, a habit of it uh, sometimes in different hours of the day. But uh, it's important to uh, to step back and look at where you are, and and really always revisit. Um, you know, we have to make a set of assumptions and a set of uh, you know for, forecasts every day, and you're constantly reevaluating that as an analyst uh, to kind of see where you're wrong and, and where you're right, and kind of sometimes building an argument why you have uh, you know justification for uh, you know how you think the uh, the the chess game is going to play out.
0: Okay. Chris, this has been great. We're going to do this again. I really appreciate you. Um, um, appreciate all that you've done for me over the years and uh, what you what you guys are doing for us now. And um, um, it's been a, a great discussion. Very helpful, I believe, for small business owners. Um, Chris give real quickly tell people how they can the, the best way to get in touch with you how about that
1: how about a phone number if you don't mind sure our, our uh, my direct dial is 404-601-7210 and it's uh, www.figpartners.com be happy to, uh, to interface with anyone out there, and uh, appreciate the opportunity today, Joe. Good, good. Okay, everybody. Well, listen, uh, it's been a great
0: show. Again, a shout-out to Mike. Get home safe. We need you. Well, kind of need you, but your folks here are doing a really good job. Uh, but but get home safe, and um, um, we will s- see you next time. And as I always say at the end of a show, um, be careful out there. And then the last thing we've decided that we want to tell everybody every week is throw fear into the back seat. Stop being fearful. You think you need to do it, just go ahead and get it done. So anyway, with that, next time, this is uh, Joe Moss on the money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. And uh, have a good rest of the day, and we'll see you next time. Thanks.